Hello, this is Will Stotler for Payday Loan Industry Watch, PLIwatch.org, which produces this podcast. PLI Watch is an independent source for news and information about what's happening in the payday loan and cash advance industries. We're able to bring you this service based on donations and sponsorships. The content of this podcast is unlikely to reflect the views of sponsors or donors. This is PLIwatch.org podcast number 13 and is for the second and third weeks of September. Dr. Tom Lehman joins us this week to discuss the issue of economics as it applies to the payday loan industry in general and, specifically, to tell us about the economic theory underpinning his essay, In Defense of Payday Lending. Published in late 2003 by the Ludwig von Mises Institute, an economic think tank, In Defense of Payday Lending has become a seminal article about the industry that makes a case for less industry regulation while taking industry critics to task. The article is often provided as a counterpoint to material by industry naysayers. It's unfair for us to characterize the article's points here, so we've provided a direct link to the article in PLI Watch's links section. That is, when you're ready to read it if you haven't read it already. Dr. Lehman is Associate Professor of Economics at Indiana Wesleyan University. His core areas of teaching, research, and publication include principles of microeconomics and macroeconomics, public policy and administration, specifically public choice theory, public finance and budgeting, urban economics and government, urban housing markets, urban economic growth, inequality, Austrian economics, and statistics and social science research methods. In addition to his academic credentials and interests, Dr. Lehman brings over six years of experience in the insurance, banking, and financial services industries to his work. On to the interview. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Just to start, your article, In Defense of Payday Lending, takes a hard and clear line against critics of the payday loan industry. Your article is also positioned against any federal or state government regulation of the industry. Now, this seems to be a counterintuitive position based on press accounts, research from think tanks like the Center for Responsible Lending, and actions of local and state legislators who are regulating the industry slowly but seemingly surely. I think it would be helpful for our listeners to understand the basis of your position. What economics, that's economics with a capital E, informed this article? The laws of supply and demand, of course, are uh, probably very familiar with to your listeners. Um, the uh, law of unintended consequences is also kind of a common theme in, in economics, but it's uh, probably a little a little less well-known. Basically, the, the law of unintended consequences states that for every policy action that is taken, typically in the form of some kind of uh, regulation, there is likely to be some kind of response equal and opposite reaction, you might say, in the market that leads to an outcome that is uh, actually contrary to the intent of the policy or of the regulation. A shorthand way of, of stating that is that oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes regulations in an industry that may very well be well intended end up harming the very people that they are supposed to help because the reactions by market participants, both uh, producers and consumers, end up uh, attenuating or uh, offsetting any of the intentions of, of the policy. 
to make the application to payday lending, we can explore this over the course of our discussion here, but uh, to, to make the application, regulations uh, on the payday lending industry that are intended most often to be of benefit to the potential consumers of uh, payday loans end up oftentimes, and I've seen it in my own state of Indiana, end up oftentimes harming those very people because of the additional burdens that they place on the suppliers, which lead the suppliers in an effort to avoid those burdens to do things to restrain their output of, of a good or service or, or to manipulate it in such a way that uh, it actually ends up harming the people that were supposedly to be helped. And uh, it's it's kind of one of those uh, in economics, there's an old uh, economics journalist by the name of Henry Hazlitt who wrote in the 1940s and 1950s, uh, harking back to French economists by the name of Frederick Bastiat, who talked about the seen and the unseen. And uh, the seen elements of policy are those that are very noticeable, and those are, are the things that uh, people uh, focus on. And the unseen elements are, are the things that uh, kind of are under the radar and that are unnoticed. And it's up to good social observers and good economists to point out the unseen elements, the unseen costs oftentimes that have their greatest effect on the very people that are uh, ostensibly to be helped by regulations uh, and in specific regulations in the payday lending industry. Just to hop in here briefly, can you provide us with an example of unintended consequences in an economic-type situation? Um, give you an example of, uh, of the state of Indiana here. According to uh, the Department of Financial Institutions here in the state of Indiana, there were a handful, less than 100 payday lending institutions as of 1995. Beginning about the mid-1990s, uh, there was just an explosion in the number of payday lending firms in the state. In 2001, I believe it was, the state attorney general issued a letter that indicated any interest rate above a certain level, any annual percentage yield above a certain level charged on payday lending would violate the uh, state's usury and loan sharking laws. Well, the cap that was uh, instituted as a result of the letter from the attorney general was well below the APY that was being charged on these small loans. As a result, the number of payday lenders in the state of Indiana dropped by more than half in less than a year's time. Since that time, the uh, state legislature has taken up the issue, and in 2002, I believe it was, uh, a law was passed raising the caps on uh, payday lending back to more or less the the market rate that prevailed in the late 90s. And as a result, there has been a resurgence in the state uh, in payday lending. Now, you might ask, well, what's the, what's the implication of that? What's the benefit of that? Particularly for listeners who are not fond of payday lending, that may seem to be a bad thing. But in reality, the more payday loan firms that we have operating and the higher level of subsequent competition uh, in the market, Number one, the, the greater the availability of small loans to people who need them, who demand them. And number two, the greater the likelihood that we will be able to put downward pressure on those high uh, those higher yields on those on those loans, because that's one of the things that the critics of payday lending probably target the most or, or are most concerned about is the high uh, annual percentage rate yields on on these small loans. 
the most effective way of eliminating those high costs is not by regulating them, thereby kind of asphyxiating the industry, but by by allowing as much open competition as possible, which, uh, as economists have long known, uh, the more competition you have, greater the likelihood of, of lower prices as, uh, as supply responds to demand. So that's one example. I mean, we could give a number of examples. I could, I could use uh, housing markets and rent control. I could use labor markets and minimum wage laws, all of which are standard examples in uh, you know microeconomic textbooks of what happens when you try to regulate or cap or control prices in a particular market. You end up with uh, chronic shortages or surpluses. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little history of uh, economic thought then. Um, Ludwig von Mises uh, is uh, kind of the founding father of, uh, of Austrian economics, uh, at least in the West and the United States in the 20th century. Austrian economics uh, is a, a branch of classical or neoclassical economics that began with the work of uh, men like Karl Menger in um, Walrus, Stanley Jevons, all of whom were part of what in the history of economic thought we talk about is the marginal utility revolution. And uh, they began to analyze economics in a little different way. They built on the work of uh, classical economists like Adam Smith and David Ricardo and uh, began to formulate the marginal analysis that in, in economics we kind of take for granted that all led eventually to the development of uh, supply and demand and the more rigorous neoclassical analysis of economics that is common today, more quantitative, uh, quantitatively driven economics. Now, Mises was, uh, was not a quantitative theoretician, but uh, his student Hayek, engaged the economics profession throughout the mid, uh, early and mid uh, 20th century and uh, really began to do research into business cycles and uh, what causes business cycles and research into uh, a variety of uh, debates regarding uh, economic calculation. And uh, these were known as the economic calculation debates and uh, how, how a market, how a free market functions versus how socialism or a collectivist economic system, fascism, type of collectivist economic arrangement, how they function or, or don't function, according to Hayek, and it's a result of the absence of pricing signals that truly reflect supply and demand. And um, to make the application back to the payday lending industry, uh, if we do not have accurate pricing signals, then we will either get an excess of supply over demand, which is a surplus, and uh, this is a result of the uh, lack of, of pricing signals, the lack of, of true economic calculation in Mises and Hayek's uh, terminology, uh, or an excess of, of demand over supply, which is a, an even greater concern because then you end up with a chronic shortage in a given industry, uh, more of something that uh, people demand relative to what producers are willing to supply. And that, it seems to me, is what we want to avoid as much as possible in the payday loan industry because uh, if we have shortages, that means that there are marginal borrowers out there, people who have uh, very few alternatives in, in the small loan market who are squeezed out, who are forced into other alternatives, which could include loans from family or uh, kind of gray market or black market types of loans where there are no property rights governing the, the exchange of loaned funds. And that can lead to a much worse situation 
uh, for the borrower than the outcome that's, that's often feared by the critics of the payday loan industry. Thanks for that description and a little bit of that history. Let's hop backwards for a moment now and tackle the issue of payday loan critics. Your article states, quote, Rather than seeing payday lending practices as a creative extension of credit to poor households who may otherwise be without loans, these critics see it as yet another opportunity for government intervention in the name of helping the poor. From an economic perspective, based on the economic theory you just provided, and based on your article, can you take a moment and explain more about the gap between the theory and the critics of the payday loan industry? Yeah, the gap really manifests itself in terms of these unintended consequences. The idea is that, well, if we don't like a particular market outcome, or we, you know, speaking from the perspective of critics of payday lending, if we don't like the fact that uh, on a $100 small loan, somebody pays $15 for a post-dated check, and that computes to an annual percentage yield in the triple digits, two, 300%, if we don't like that, then we'll just pass a law that's says that that cannot be charged, and ergo, the problem will be solved, and we will just move on to solving the next great evil of a market process, and uh, we'll, we'll regulate it away as well, and that's the end of the story. The reality is that's not the end of the story. That's the seen element. The unseen element is that when the rate is capped, when the regulation is imposed, that there is now a disequilibrium condition, economists would say, or there, if the rate cap is below the, the equilibrium rate on the small loan, then there will be an excess of demand over supply. There will be a shortage. And the result is, the reality is, to go back to this idea of a gap between theory and practice, the reality is that there are marginal borrowers who do not have loans available to them, do not have alternatives for small loans to stem a shortfall in cash if they need it. So I am no apologist for the payday lending industry. I am rather trying to force the critics of the payday lending industry to see the what I believe are the true results of the policies that they propose and say, hey, wait a minute, you're really not helping the people that you are ostensibly saying that you help. You're actually indirectly harming them. And that's where the theory is helpful, uh, the theory of economics, law of supply and demand, law of unintended consequences. Thanks. Financial institutions such as banks are heavily regulated. Why not the payday loan industry? Now, you've touched on that in your previous answer, but you're arguing regulation is detrimental as an absolute almost, it seems, in the article. Uh, for example, your article states, quote, for the sake of poor and low-income borrowers everywhere, we can only hope that federal and state governments can be prevented from further disrupting consumer lending markets. It is not chronic borrowing that we should fear, but chronic government coercion that presents the greatest threat to economic efficiency, private property, and individual liberty, unquote. Now, we're not asking you to defend that statement that you made in the essay, but from an economic standpoint, can you help my listeners understand why specifically a lack of regulation is actually good for consumers? Yeah, this is an excellent point. And it's, it's again, one of those misnomers that regulations harm businesses and most people understand that or, or they're, they're bad for businesses or, or, you know, the idea is businesses do not want regulation. Everybody, everybody accepts that. But, but then when you take it one step further and say, well, because of the responses, the reactions of business firms to regulations, it ends up harming consumers. So this is this idea that uh, regulations are 
are, are bad for business but good for consumers is, uh, at least for my professional training in economics, this is a misnomer. Uh, what is bad for business firms from the perspective of, of regulations is ultimately bad for consumers because it ultimately ends up preventing potential consumers from obtaining those goods and services that they would prefer, that they demand, that they're willing to pay for, or it forces them to pay a higher price to obtain them. Now, if that's the true goal of the critics of the payday lending industry, then that's fine. I mean, we can we can end the discussion there and agree to disagree, I guess. If critics of the payday lending industry come out and say, you know, our goal is to reduce as much as possible the availability of small loans to marginal borrowers, then um, then they're on the right track. But I don't think that is an idea that sells too well. I don't think that uh, I don't think that their agenda would appeal if they were to come out and say we intend to regulate the payday lending industry because we want to reduce the availability of small loans. Some of them may say that, but but I think very few would would go that far. And the reality is that either A, they're, they're ideologically motivated and they don't care about what the policy response effect is on the marginal borrowers, or they are just misled and do not understand the secondary and tertiary effects of the regulations that they propose. Regulations on, on uh, any industry, whether it be banking or payday lending, can potentially and often are harmful. That's not to say that all regulations are. There's many regulations uh, that are designed to prevent a market failure, prevent monopoly, negative externalities, environmental externalities, these types of things. But there seems to me to be no market failure here per se. In fact, the research uh, does not suggest there's any kind of market failure in the payday lending industry, that there's any kind of predatory lending going on at all. There is just uh, a push for regulations because the market outcome seems to be unappealing to a particular group of people. And it seems to me that you don't lay out all of the options available to marginal borrowers who would be in the market for a small loan and then eliminate the one they actually choose. You don't, you don't lay out all of the alternatives available to them and eliminate the one they prefer and then say that, well, we're helping you, we're assisting you, we're, we're regulating the industry to improve your situation. The reality is that those regulations do not do that because they tend to restrict the supply. They create barriers to entry. They limit competition. And as a result, there's, uh, there's a shortage of something that uh, a segment of the population values. One of my theories, and I'd like to do more research into this. I don't know if this is uh, – I, I think it's plausible. I don't know if it's able to be demonstrated. You asked about um, regulations on the banking industry generally. I would like to suggest, at least as, a, as an argument and uh, just as a point of, of speculation, that it's perhaps the regulations on the financial industry in general, banks, credit unions, other more mainstream lending organizations out, outside of pawn shops and, and payday loan firms, it's the regulations on those industries that have really pushed them away from offering small loans. The idea of a small loan, two, three hundred, four hundred dollars, very, very common in the payday loan industry, but very uncommon in those other financial sectors. You don't find banks, credit unions, lending institutions offering short-term, small balance loans. Five hundred to a thousand dollars is typically the the minimum unsecured loan that you can get from a bank or a credit union, and usually that's amortized over 12 or 18 months. 
people oftentimes need a smaller amount of money and prefer to pay that back in a shorter period of time so that they can be out of debt more rapidly. The small loan market, therefore, has has a demand, and the payday lending industry has uh, emerged as a result of that demand. Now, the question you have to ask is, if there's money to be made here, why don't banks, credit unions, offer these small short-term loans? And I would like to suggest that it is because of the very regulations that govern those banks and credit unions in terms of uh, usury laws, loan sharking laws, caps on interest rates in virtually every state in the nation that prevent the interest rate on those loans from reflecting the, the true market equilibrium rate. Now, in most states, payday loans are, in a manner of speaking, exempt from some of those regulations. And because they are exempt, they are able to operate and function at a profit, and uh, they are able to create a, a market supply for, a, for an emerging market demand. I would suggest that perhaps it's because of regulations on the financial industry in the first place that the payday lending industry has, has emerged in the last decade. I don't know that, and I think there needs to be a lot more research done to substantiate that speculation, but uh, that's my theory anyways. Thanks. Let's switch gears for a moment. The payday lender space, again, according to Larry Myers, is only at 50% market penetration. Now, I've heard similar numbers off the record from others as well. Does this sound right to you? Is the industry poised for growth based on what you know about recent trends in the economy itself and also based on popular economic theory that's in practice today? I guess my response to that would be yes, both yes and no. The, the industry could certainly grow further and I think uh I think somebody like Larry Myers would be in a better position to know that than than I would perhaps but uh I mean I'm kind of an outside social observer as an economist and I think somebody inside the industry would would know would have an interest in knowing so the industry could certainly grow further if it is not further regulated or restrained in that growth in that market penetration I think caps on the APY charged on on these small loans could prevent further growth. If, on the other hand, we get more regulation, we get more state regulation, potentially, uh, you know, there could be federal regulation on on this industry outside of of the broad regulatory guidelines that, that govern all financial institutions. There could be more direct federal regulation. That would certainly retard the growth of, of the industry. As for market penetration, again, I would defer uh, to the people who are actually in the industry who know the market uh, better than I. Thank you. Final question. Tom, your recommended reading. Larry Myers, ex-Motley Fool financial writer and payday loan financier, referred to your article directly when he discussed the payday loan industry with us. Several others offline have also mentioned your work. Links abound to your article all across the web. You're even cited in the Wikipedia payday loan entry as an authoritative source. How did you come to write the article in the first place, and what do you think about the attention it has since received? Well, I came to write the article as an offshoot of my specialty in economics, which is really urban economic development and uh, urban theory, urban economics generally. My research in local economic development brought me in, in contact with a couple of articles on payday lending. These were being identified as 
as, on the one hand, potential drivers of economic growth in uh, some urban areas that were depressed. On the other hand, you know, critics were alarmed and, and doing research into what the effects of uh, payday loans were and uh, whether or not they were a good or bad thing in terms of the urban economic landscape. So it, it really came primarily as an offshoot of, of my area of, of training, my area of expertise in, in urban economics and uh, local economic development and economic growth. And uh, I just began to do investigation into it and apply my training in economics to that topic. As for the attention that the article received, I guess I can only attribute that to the reach, the scope, and and reach of uh, the Mises Institute into lines of, of media and journalism and the web in general. The Mises Institute was one who first published my article, I don't know, it was maybe 1,200 words, something like that. And uh, they kind of began to disseminate that. It's posted on the web uh, on the Mises Institute site, and uh, other people have have freely located it there and, and cited it. I have since done additional research into the payday lending industry, a little bit less op-ed type writing and more research-based writing in, into this, uh, and particularly as it pertains to my state of, of Indiana. I have an article that uh, will be forthcoming here and be coming out some time in the next couple of months, uh, published by the Indiana Policy Review Foundation. They they wanted to run something on payday lending and the growth of payday lending in the state of Indiana, so I've offered some some of my research to them in that respect. And this is just kind of, uh, in a sense, taken on a life of its own since that article. Uh, I I didn't ever intend to become a a quote-unquote expert on payday lending, but uh, this article certainly thrust me (laughs) <laughs> more into the limelight, I guess, and uh, as a result, uh, I've ended up spending more time uh, looking into this industry, and it really is a, a curiosity of mine. I would like to do a lot more research. The, the data on the industry is very scarce, very sparse, not uh, not a lot of data. There There is some. Some research has begun, but uh, I would certainly like to do more. And uh, the, the findings uh, in the research may or may not substantiate some of my theories, and, and that's okay. But uh, if we could do more research and we had more data on this industry, uh, we could find out more, we could know more, uh, we, we would have more either to substantiate my claims or to substantiate the claims of, of critics if, uh, if that's what the findings of the research uh, suggest. So. This probably will not be the end of my my research in this in this industry, and I uh, look forward to what others are doing as well, and uh, what I might be able to do in the future. Tom, we wish you all the best. Thank you for joining with us today. All right, thank you for having me, and uh, appreciate the opportunity. This week's podcast did not have a sponsor. Like the work we're doing? Please contact Robert James via the contact page on our website to learn more about how you can support our work. Remember, visit PLIwatch.org for industry-independent news, interviews, RSS news feeds, helpful tips, and older podcasts. You can also take a look at our listings and reviews of payday loan vendors. This is Will Stotler for PLI Watch. Thanks for listening.